Well, we just spent a month in uh, Eyemouth, Scotland, and uh, a mission home of the Benders. Of course, that's our daughter and son-in-law. And what a blessing it was. I got to preach twice. And again, of course, to hear Steve preach, they are doing a tremendous job in missions. They went over there in 1998. When they went over there in 98 with their three children, Anne-Marie was six months old and Ian was three and Kenneth was five. Anne-Marie is married and to a British police, to an English policeman down in Berwick-upon-Tweed. Uh, Ian is married and in South Carolina, married to a young lady. And Kenneth is not married yet. And he's teaching the high school in Eyemouth High there in Scotland. Uh, Stephen March is still married too as well, so that's working out uh, very, very good. But this church is doing well. They're in their new building. They built a new building. It's all paid for. And they're running as high as 100 every Sunday morning. And God has used them in a mighty way. And uh, what a blessing. Their prayer meetings on Wednesday night are amazing. The people pray Love to hear the Scottish people pray, although I don't understand. They speak English, I think. But there's just a lot of words that you don't understand, a lot of things, and they talk extremely fast. Uh, we've got a dear, dear friend over there. His name is Dougie. His wife's name is Janet. And uh, uh, he uh, wanted me to tell you a story he said that he saw the other day, and it was just he thought it was just an absolutely amazing thing. He was up in the highlands. And there was a bunch of rabbits, a hundred of them, walking straight in a straight line backwards. Just going straight up as straight as it could be. And, and I looked at them and I said, Dougie, uh, how can that be? And he said, uh, Brother Sweet, however they say it, I can't understand how he says, it's just a normal thing. It was just a receding hairline. I'm glad some of you got that. But anyway, uh, so that's Scottish humor. And that's how it is. But they're doing great. And we had a wonderful, wonderful time over there. I had plans. Of course, Pastor asked me to preach. I, I thought about what I was going to preach. And I had plans for tomorrow, I mean yesterday afternoon, to study and pray about it. And of course, yesterday afternoon I was in an airport all day long until 10 o'clock last night. So please excuse me if... Uh, Things are a little bit weak and feeble uh, this day. I also turned 81 while I was gone, and uh, uh, but God is being good and watching over us and taking care of us. Jackie's doing wonderful as well, and we did have a great, great time. And thank you all for praying so much for us, and we did miss you terribly. Thought about you all, prayed for you much uh, in these times. If you take your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Acts chapter number 13. Now, Acts chapter 13 is probably the definitive Missions chapter in the entire Bible. It's the one we use as our entire basis for missions in this day and time as we look at it. And I want to, I want to look at it, but maybe in a different way that you've never seen. I checked to see if I'd ever preached this message here. No, as far as I can see, I haven't. And someone will get up and say, yes, you did, but whatever the case may be. If you remember, well, praise the Lord, that is, you are among the elite if you remember that. But Acts chapter 13 says this, Now there were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, which is called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul 
for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Cilicia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Let's pray together for a moment. And I want to preach to you on the kind of church God uses for missions. And let's see if we fit the criteria that God uses for the kind of church that God uses for missions. I think on this for a second. Why did God choose the church at Antioch? Why did he pick that church to send out the first two missionaries? Why, why did God look down and see that group of people as they were praying there and saying, that's the one? I think he explains it very clearly, and I hope I can preach it to you right tonight. Let's pray together. Father God, as we come before you, I thank you for the privilege of preaching your word. I thank you, Lord, for the truth of it, every bit of it. And I thank you, Father, for missions. And the way missions has changed my life. And I thank you that you, Jackie, and myself in missions and using our daughter and son-in-law in such a special way. Father, I thank you for missionaries and for each and every one that are willing to leave their homes and their families and to just go serve you. And Lord, I thank you for a church that supports missions. And I do pray, Lord, that you'll help us tonight as I try to look into this this church that God used in such a very, very special way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, one of the things that we did while we were in Scotland, we went down to a, a, land, a place called Landisfarm. Landisfarm is down in England, just a few miles uh, south of Scotland. It's not far at all, just below Berwick-upon-Tweed, just before you get to a little place called Annick. And Landisfarm has a special, special place in history. And when you go over there, there's the ruins of a uh, monastery there in the a priory there that were destroyed, uh, not by Henry VIII, but by the Vikings. In 800 AD, it was the very first place that the Vikings landed uh, in England and began their 300 years of pillaging and destroying up and down the English coast and all the things that they did. And uh, most of those uh, uh, men that were there on that island were, were killed at that time and, and destroyed. And we looked at that thing and thought that at, uh, over a thousand years ago, 1800 years ago, there were men uh, that were beginning to get the word of God around the world and into different parts of the world, uh, men willing to go. And this was uh, uh, some men that still understood the truth and were, uh, were understanding the word of God. And some of the things they say there, you see things written and stuff about what they believe and how they believe is an amazing thing. And then I went up to a place a little north in, in Scotland uh, where John Knox was born. And John Knox, of course, was a, uh, one of the pioneer preachers. Uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, was more scared, afraid of her than she was the English army. Uh, her, him, excuse me, him, than the English army. And how people think of missionaries and things. And John Knox, who was willing to preach the gospel no matter what, and stood for the truth with uh, an unwearying uh, dedication. You go up in Edinburgh to St. Giles' Church, and you walk out in the parking lot of the church, and there's a, uh, there's a parking lot number 23, I think it is, out there has an X in it. And I asked a person one time, why is the X in the middle of that parking lot? And they said, oh, that's where John Knox is buried. That's what they care about people anymore in that land. Less than 3% of the people in Scotland even attend church anywhere. And at one time, it was a hotbed. It was the home of David Livingston. 
It was uh, Bonar who wrote so many different songs and, di and different, different ones that preached the word. Andrew Murray McShane, one of the greatest preachers of all times up in Dundee. Uh, years ago, I went up to his church and stood behind the pulpit where that young man thundered out the gospel and had Jackie take my picture. They still have his pulpit in that church there and standing there. What a joyous thing it is to see men and women that will stand for God. Mary Slusher, Scottish lady that uh, went on the mission field so many places. But here you look in, in Acts chapter 13, and God looks down, and there's men praying, and there's men seeking God's face, and God says, this is the church, that I'm going to send out my first two missionaries, Paul and Barnabas. Why did God choose these people? Take your Bibles with me and turn two pages back to Acts chapter number 11. And we'll get the answer of why God used this particular church. Look at verse number 19 of Acts chapter 11. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix, Venus, and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word, now notice, to none but the Jews only. Now look at the next verse. But some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which then they were come to Antioch, spoke unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Now here's what's happened. Here's this group of people. They're scattered abroad. Why? Well, just years earlier, a man by the name of Stephen had stood up by faith and had been stoned and killed. And these people saw it. We believe at that period of time there were people that believed. This man Stephen believed. And they believed and they preached the word and stood for the word. And they were persecuted and they were scattered. And they were running for their lives. So they get all the way to Antioch. They've got nothing. But what are they doing? They've got nothing, but they're still telling every Jewish person they could see, Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus died for you. That's the reason that uh, we were saved. And uh, uh, Peter got up and preached, and 3,000 of us got saved. And they're telling this story, and they're excited about it. And then some of them said, wait a minute. We're going to tell everybody. We're not just going to tell Jews. We're going to tell everybody. And they began to preach the gospel to everybody. See, this church started off, they, here's, here's, this is what a church needs. They were grounded in the word of God. They knew whom and what they believed. Paul the Apostle says, I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And these people were grounded in the word of God. They knew what they believed, and they were not afraid to share it with who and whatsoever. Anybody around them wanted to hear, they were willing to tell it. And, they, and this is a great thing. They were so grounded, they began reading their word, and they understood, wait a minute. This is for everybody. It's not just for the Jews. See, they had been very particular up at this time. They were not giving the gospel to anybody but Jewish people. But they saw it. They were a church that was grounded completely in the word of God. They understood what they were supposed to do. They had nothing. They, they, uh, they, they were just running for their lives, but they were willing to share 
Jesus Christ. I uh, spent the last month trying to share Jesus wherever I could go in Scotland, and boy, they looked at me like I was a uh, some kind of a nut. Uh, when I would say I was a missionary, I was in a, a little uh, garden shop. By the way, we don't have it right here in America. Those people over there uh, have about every 50 miles, they have what they call a garden shop down the interstate. And you'll go in the thing, and it's got every kind of plant and everything you want to get, but also just everything is why. And the greatest little restaurants you can ever get your hands on. And you can go down there and you can get yourself a scone and a cup of coffee or a good bowl of soup or a sandwich or whatever you want in these garden shops and, and go along. along. They, they understand these people got a little more straight. Well, I think it's the same way way back then. They understood what they had and they got around spreading it to everybody. They were just willing to spread the gospel. They had nothing. Had no place to go. But they were grounded in the word of God and they believed what the Bible said. And the Bible says very clearly to you and to me, if we got nothing else, we've got the gospel. I was talking to, to Brother Kilpatrick this morning and a thought had come across me yesterday. we got this thing going on in Israel right now, don't we? And what, what's, what's the first thing that crossed your minds? End times, didn't it? Got thinking about that. Wait a minute. The day you were born, you had so much time. I got to thinking about that. I only have, it doesn't matter whether Jesus comes back. It doesn't matter whether I'll be invaded over there. Walt Schmidt has only got so many days, so much time to tell people about Jesus, no matter what. It just doesn't matter anything about What's going to happen? It doesn't matter. That's not my problem. That's not what I need to worry about. The thing of it is, I only have so many more time to tell people about my Savior, about the one who loved me, about the one who died for me, about the one who shed his blood and cared enough for this poor boy of an, alco father, of an alcoholic father that had never been to church to get somebody to witness to him, to tell him about Jesus, that his heart got to work and the Holy Spirit got to work in his heart long enough to get got a hold of the gospel, got saved, got his life changed. And God gave him the years to serve him. It's the same for each and every one of you. I don't care if it's the last times. I don't care if the war here now is going to bring Jesus. We still only have so many days. While I was in Scotland... Three people I love and know died. I got texts. So-and-so has gone to be with the Lord. The very per first man that I met when I came to Fairview Baptist Church, Brother Wheatley, went home to be with the Lord while I was in Scotland. The very first person I met in Alabama. Then Donnie Murray, which all many of you know right here, because he was a member of Bethel Baptist Church for years and years. Donnie Murray went home to be with the Lord this last week. And dear lady we knew over in Madison Baptist Church went home to be with the Lord. Folks, time short in my life, and time short in your life. But these people back in AD 100, they got a hold of it. They realize what they're doing. They're running. The Romans are killing them. They have nothing, but they got the gospel, 
And they begin to tell it to the Jews. And then a few of them, men from Cyrene and Cyprus, said, Whoa, I'm going to tell everybody. Come here, Gentile. Jesus died for you. Hey, he paid the price for your sins. He'll let you go to heaven if you just trust him as Savior. Grounded. Are you grounded? Do you know what you believe? You see, you'll never witness to anybody if you don't know what you believe. If you're not settled in yours, do you have a testimony? Do you have somebody that you can walk up and say, this is what happened to me? They did. And so they got going. But that's not the end of it. You begin to look, look at uh, a little bit further on. Look at verse 21. It says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then things of these things came under the ears of the church which is in Jerusalem. Now here, this is a cool part. This is the big church. This is the folks with all the money. This is the folks with all the people. This is a church that 3,000 people got saved in one day on that. This is a church that 5,000 people got saved a little bit later. Look at what it says. And the tidings of these came to the ears of the church which is in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and enjoyed them all, that with purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. You see, not only did they were they grounded, but now this big church, what's going on up there? What do they think they're doing? Who gave them the right to do what they're doing? And they sent Barnabas up there to see. But you know what was going on in that church? They were growing. They were growing. They were learning more about Jesus and they were getting excited. And what was happening? When they went out there, a strange thing happened. When they began to witness to the Gentiles, people started getting saved. And this church began to grow. Why? Because they told everybody. But it's so funny. Here's the church that should be doing something. Sending somebody up to see what's going on up there. Would it be that the folks, well, I'll tell you, I'm going to just be honest with you. I came to Alabama in 1988 to Fairview Baptist Church, and guess what people told me? You want to see a church that's doing something, you ought to see Bethel Baptist down Hartzell. I'm sorry, that's exactly what they said. And we, I came down here, and it was the largest independent Baptist church in northern Alabama, and people were getting saved, and people were excited, and things were going on. This is 1988. Bethel Baptist Church in Hartzell, Alabama. And it was an exciting church. I came down here, they had, I came down here to hear Lee Robertson preach. I came over here to see, hear different people preach because that's where the preachers were coming. And I was a little preacher over in Decatur. I want to go over here. I went over to Bethel Baptist Church to see what was going on. That's because they were growing. You see, what happens when you begin to tell people about Jesus? We go out on Saturdays and you say, oh, it's not working. Not much is happening. Well, things are going to happen if we keep doing it, if we just keep steady, if we just keep following Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, because we are, will be a growing church. That's what happened to Church Antioch. When you do what Jesus says to do, you'll grow. When you do what God says to do, you'll become a growing church. So look again at verse number 23. What does it say? When he came and seen the grace of God was glad, he exhorted them all that in purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. Barnabas said to him, you're doing the right thing. You're growing. Get excited 
about what's going on. I love this church. No wonder in Acts chapter 13, God says, this is the one I want. Those folks are doing something. They're grounded and they're growing. But now, then an interesting, interesting thing happens. Look what happens. Let's just keep reading. And lo, all, uh, verse, uh, excuse me, let me get me getting the right page here. I got, I'm just full of notes. And when tides of these schemes, verse 22, came out of the ears of the church, which is in Jerusalem, they all sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and seen the grace of God was all, he exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. That's what's happened to his church. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus, and he got Saul, for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch, and when it came to pass a whole year, they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. See, they were growing. This church just kept growing because God used Paul and God used Barnabas. And now God's going to take these two out of that church and make them the first missionaries. That's how it began to work. Now look what it says. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And these days, now here's the interesting part. I love this part. What kind of church was this now? A rich church, right? Right? They had nothing. Absolutely nothing. But look what they did. And those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, verse 27. And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass the days of Claudius Caesar, when the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren that dwelt where? In Judea. They're going to send back to this big fancy church that don't, they're trying to tell them things. Which also they did and sent it in elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So here's a church. It's grounded. Are you grounded? Here's a church. It's growing. Are you growing? But here's a church that knows how to give. They don't have anything. But Agba says there's a need back in Judea. There's a need back in the other believers. And they said, we're going to find something. We're going to do something. And we're going to send it back to them. They were a given church. Uh, now, I've noticed something about Bethel Baptist Church since I've been here in the three years I've been here. You're a given church. You're willing to help people. You're willing to, and, and that's what God needs, and that's what God wants. That's what kind of a church it was. So they were uh, going, and they were giving church. Uh, they were willing to give, and they gave. Can you imagine the embarrassment of that church back in uh, Judea, though? They go back, this church, and wonder what's going on with them. Here comes Paul and Barnabas. Well, a little church at Antioch heard about your need, and we want to help you. Ha! I'd like to have been, I'd like to have seen the faces of those ones. What an interesting thing that must have been when this little church of people who were running for their lives had nothing but were willing to witness, willing to do, and they were grounded, and they were growing, and then they began to give unto the Lord. But now I want you to see a couple more things about them. And I'm going to let you out here at a decent time. I don't even know what time it is. Uh, One-eyed guy can't see a clock too far. Has trouble just seeing the Bible right here. But no, no, turn over to Acts chapter 13 with me just for a moment. See, they were giving church, but look at verse number 1 of Acts chapter 13. 
Now there were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger. Look what had happened to this church. They had started out in Acts chapter 11 poor, broken, nothing, but they had witnessed, they had been grounded, they were growing, and they were willing to give. And guess what God did? He gifted them with knowledge and understanding. Look what it says. Now there were in church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers. Because of what kind they were, God had placed in that church people who could teach and had the gifts of Almighty God to do things. They became a gifted church. When you, when you do what God wants you to do, God opens up his word to you. God, give, God lets you understand the gifts that God has given to every believer. and lets you understand what you could actually do for God. You know what our problem is? I can't do it. You're gifted. You got saved. The Holy Spirit came to live within you. And God has given each person in this church gifts. We have things that we can do. I watched on that little church in Scotland over there as different people just stood up and are standing up and helping my son-in-law do the things he needs to do and using the things that they have to do the things of God. God wants to gift his church, and he does. There were certain prophets and teachers. You see, God has gifted this church with folks that know the word of God, folks that can help one another, folks that can teach one another, folks can help each one of us grow. That's what God does. He gives us the gifts. Uh, he gives sailors that uh, come in so that the Air Force guys could learn something. You know, it just works that way. God, God gives us... You didn't think you were going to get away with that, did you? <laughs> he just gives us, works us together. Brother... Brother Jay brought me a thing. It was, it was, what was last Saturday? It was the 258th birthday of the Navy. We've been around a while. We know how to help people. We've been gifted. But uh, uh, you have to. If you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, there are gifts in your life that God wants to use. This church in Antioch used them. And that's why God said, I'm going to use that church. I'm going to bless that church. I'm going to send people out of that church. I'm going to use that church for God's glory. They were gifted gifted people. Uh, they were Romans uh, 12 kind of people, people who uh, understood the fact that God has given them important, blessed things that he can give them. I beseech you, uh, God has given us just the things. Turn with me to Romans 12 just for a second. I, I got these verses I have committed to memory, but I'm so dumb anymore. I better look at them so I don't quote them wrong. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. He said this to the church. Uh, that you present your bodies living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? The gifted ones teach you. And your mind, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God has gifts for each and every one of us that we can use for his honor and glory. God saw this church in Antioch. He looked down there, verse number one. I saw he saw prophets and teachers, and they were doing the things they were going to do, a gifted, gifted church. But then look at verse number four. 
Uh, he, so what happened, verse number two, it says, And they ministered unto the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them and sent them away, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they went unto Cyprus. So not only were they grounded, not only were they growing, not only were they giving, not only were they gifted, but now they were guided. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and what? And he shall what? Direct thy paths. And that's exactly what God did here. They were there. Now they had become a, a guided people, a guided one. The Holy Spirit of God will lead you and lead the church as the pastor leads the pastor. And as the pastor gets the things of God, he passes them on to you. And God uses us for his honor and for his glory as he guides us day by day. One of the most interesting things in the life of a believer is understanding the will of God and following the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. So many people just get all tied up in that. I got saved in 1969, and one day, I can't tell you what day, I just knew I had to preach the Word of God, so I just did it. You see, the way God guides you is when the Spirit of God touches your heart, and He does it two ways. He uses the Spirit of God that's leading it, actually three ways. He takes the Spirit of God that's in your heart and begins to move in your heart, and you don't know why. You can feel, you, just you know you need to do something, but then he takes the Word of God, and as you're reading it, you know what God does then? Through your reading of the Word of God, he takes circumstances in your life to just show you this is what God wants you to do. And God does that. He takes the leading of the Holy Spirit, he takes the the preaching of the word of God and the reading of the word of God. And he takes the circumstances of your life around you and shows you that's what you ought to have. You can just see things God tells you to do. Most folks just quit and won't follow him. But when you do, God guides you from this place to this place to this place. I remember when God began to lead me after my first church, after eight years of passion, the first church. And I was happy, contented there. And all of a sudden, God began to just make things a little uneasy in my heart. Nothing was going wrong. Everything was working right. That's what really bugs you. Uh, it's, nobody was beating me half to death. Nobody was scaring me. Nobody was uh, picking on